Hey, I'm Dave Salter, and you guys have landed on Connect and Convert, the podcast where we talk a little bit about insider secrets for sales success for small businesses. And I'm joined once again by my compatriot, Dennis Collins. Dennis, what's going on? How you doing, Dave? Good to be with you again. Good to be with you as well. Interesting topic today. We're going to talk about why do salespeople ask too little and talk too much? And I'll tell you what, I have a for instance to maybe help get you going. So you've had an experience. I grew up in New Jersey, and I'm not sure if it's New Jersey or New York who has a worse reputation for used car salespeople. Okay. Eh, Probably. Um, (laughs) So, but I'm in Jersey. And so these guys. I get it, right? So they've got a small margin, profit margin. They want to maximize their time. So when you get on their lot and step out of your car, they're like flying out the door and they just start talking and you can't get a word in edgewise. And it's it's a cliche and we've seen it in movies and TV shows, but it actually happens. And so it goes against what we talk about here they're not establishing any relationships. They're not establishing any trust. And yet you have this need, you can't afford a new car. So you you have this need to purchase a used car and it's every lot you go to, it's the same, same routine over and over again. So I think this is a great topic for uh, to discuss today. So Dave, can I ask you, you describe something that I think most people have experienced. How does that make you feel as a customer? How does that hit you? I think the first impression you get is that they're they're not interested in me. They're interested in how much I'm going to put in their pocketbook. So then that leads to the next thought is like, what if something happens to the car? Is there a warranty? Are they going to take care of this? So there's no personal connection. So then it makes you question the value of your transaction. Doesn't it though? Yeah. Should I do business with these people? Exactly. Pretty scary. I hate to tell you this, Dave, but the research recently is very clear. Unfortunately, salespeople are talking too much. They're talking too fast. They're using jargon. Okay. And they're not actively listening. Shock. Newsflash, right? This is going to make national news. (laughs) Unfortunately not. What's the common narrative about salespeople? The fast-talking, pushy, only concerned about closing at all costs. Remember the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Did you ever see that movie? We're, I'm dating myself, but I do. <laughs> you could have seen it online or something. <laughs> it's out there. But classic example, Alec Baldwin is the sales manager. Always be closing. A, B, C. Yep. He had a whole list of things you're supposed to do and say, Coffee is for closers. Put that coffee down. Some classic lines. Anyway, that's the pushy, over-aggressive, close-at-all-cost that really doesn't... It's being used, but it really doesn't work much anymore. This has, obviously, a major, major impact on the probability of closing. Is there any research, or is it just anecdotal, Dennis, the sort of the transition from that use car salesman approach to more to what what you coach your folks to do yeah well there's now a pretty highly respected and highly used 
formula that the salesperson should be talking only 30% of the time and the customer should be talking 70% of the time. Wow. Think back to transactions maybe you've had recently. Was it 70-30 or was it more 70 them talking and maybe 30 you talking? But, you know, there's a bunch of reasons. Today, we want to investigate why this is happening. Yeah, This isn't just used car salesmen in New Jersey. This yeah. is everywhere. Yeah. Worldwide, salespeople tend to overtalk and underask. So what's the, is there some psychology behind that? There happens to be. There are two Harvard researchers, Tamir and Mitchell, Tamir and Mitchell, and they must not have had enough to do one day. And so they decided to do a research project on why we love to talk so much. And they use those fMRI machines. They can look at your brain lighting up and all this and that. And what they found out is that when we human beings are talking, when we're expressing the brain, the part of the brain associated with pleasurable feelings lights up like a Christmas tree. Okay. It's like a shot of dopamine. Okay. Wow. There is a scientific reason why we like to talk so much point blank. It feels good. It just feels good. Okay. So you meet someone at a party first time you ever met them, right? They're asking you a lot of questions. That's a very nice way to start a conversation. Ask a lot of questions. And they're actually listening to all your answers. But then, ta-da, it happens. You cross into the TMI zone. Or as I call it, the cringe zone. You start cringing because you're like, oh, I really didn't need to hear that. Well, this person has got you so engaged in talking, okay, they're asking the question and you're doing the answering and your dopamine is going crazy and you talk more and you, mm-hmm. then you talk more and then right. you talk more because you're getting a hit every time you self-disclose. So we can't totally blame the salespeople or their sales managers. We can let's blame the brain. Okay. But what about what if we allowed our customers to get that hit of dopamine instead of us? Now you're on to something, aren't you? So <laughs> if we have that need to self-disclose and tell everything, even the TMI stuff, don't our customers have the same thing? Yeah. So if you're a skillful, if you're a skillful questioner, guess what your customers are going to do? They're going to tell you everything you need to know. Because they get the same dopamine hit that you get when they're talking. Dennis, why do you think salespeople attempt to control the conversation? Well, again, aside from the science, aside from the science, uh, we found another, Tamir and Mitchell found another thing, by the way, in their research. People will give up money, will give up money to spend more time talking about themselves. They did the study. They offered a substantial amount of money in different experiments. And the right. people said, no, I'd rather continue talking about myself. Really? Uh, yeah. In the moment, it's much harder and far, far less rewarding to listen. What reward do you get for listening? It's a delayed gratification. If you're a good listener, you will get things at the end of the day, maybe a right. closure of a sale, better understanding. But the immediate dopamine is talk, 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 talk. 
And that's immediate. The value, the, the benefits of listening only come later. So there's got to be some reasoning, some maybe some causes behind salespeople who like to talk too much other than the scientific part of yeah, it. I, here's what I've found. In monitoring thousands of sales calls, both recorded calls and in-person calls, here's a couple things that I find cause salespeople to talk too much. Number one, they want to impress their customer. I am the smartest guy in this room. I know my stuff. They feel that they have to inform, to educate, to pitch everything they know. Right. Uh, a, a week right. or so, a couple of weeks ago, I got a recorded sales call in a state where it's legal, by the way, from a client. He sent me a recording of one of his salespeople. It was 53 minutes in length. Okay. So I clocked it. The first clock was how much time was the salesperson talking? How much time was the customer talking? Take a guess, Dave. What do you think? Uh, 80-20 salesperson. <laughs> 43 minutes out of the 53 minutes was the salesperson talking. Wow. Yeah. And this is a person, allegedly, who has been trained not to do that. So it's a hard habit to break. Uh, I, we are Most of us are taught to pitch, to present when selling. That's how I was taught. Most people were taught to pitch. They are taught to memorize a presentation, a proposal, and to regurgitate it upon command. That's mm -hmm. comfortable. That's a comfort zone, okay? It's uncomfortable when I have to come into your home or meet with you, and I have to ask you questions. Oh, my gosh, what questions am I going to ask you? I don't know enough questions to ask you. What mm -hmm. if you give me an answer that I can't handle? So there's a lot of fear, a lot of outside the comfort zone when you start having to ask questions. They're yeah. nervous, they're anxious, they're and what makes people feel better is okay, let's talk. It makes your dopamine fire and it also that's your comfort zone. Does that make sense? Yeah, because silence is awkward, right? So if nobody's saying anything, you have silence. So you're the talker is always compelled to try to fill that silence and then you get that hit of dopamine like you said and off you go. You touched on, there's two things. Number one, I think it's remarkable because nobody nobody understands how much research that you actually do on this. So the fact that you've monitored that many sales calls is remarkable. I mean, so because, I, I you know, a lot of times you won't, we say this a lot of times, people don't trust you until they know you. But if I was looking for a sales coach and I understood how much time and effort that you put into studying this, it's pretty incredible. The other thing is that I find interesting, and this is by, I, our, sort of our next, next nugget, if you will. When I was in school a century ago, I was terrified to ask questions. Like I, if you asked the question in class, you were the dumb person, right? And so consequently, I would always try to find a seat that was middle or back of the class so I wouldn't get <laughs> called on. Um, and, and the hand never went up, right? Yeah, the hand never, never went up. I Absolutely. I'm not asking a question. I don't know what the hell the teacher just said, but my mom or dad maybe can figure it out tonight when I go home, but I'm not going to be the one to ask the question. So yeah, why don't I, salespeople I, ask more good questions? Because they're afraid, just like you said. First of all, questions, they're, one of the myths is the questions may make the customer uncomfortable. 
You know, why are you questioning me? Why are you interrogating me? That's the sign of a salesperson who doesn't know how to properly use questions. And of course, if you don't use them right, they can backfire. Some salespeople think they're mind readers. Well, I've been through this drill a hundred times. I know what's on your mind. Yeah. Okay. Try that out. It's a bad habit. We get in habits. We get in the habit of pitching and presenting and not asking. It's much easier to fall back in that comfort zone, that tell mode. They don't want to bring up, they're afraid they might be bringing up an issue the customer hasn't already thought of. Okay. So I've heard that excuse from many salespeople. Why didn't you ask more questions? Well, I didn't want to raise an issue that the customer hadn't already thought of. Oh, really? Or training. They're unprepared. You've got to prepare your questions. I use a quadrant to describe a lot of things, four quadrants to describe a lot of things in life. There are four kinds of questions. We'll do a podcast on that one day. There are four different kinds of questions that you use in a sales call. And we'll talk about that. So to me, there's a third part of this. And so how would you go about coaching someone to do what I'm getting from you are the three most important things? A, stop controlling the conversation. B, ask great questions. But equally important, be a great listener. Dave, if I had, if you were to press me against the wall right now and say, what is it? What is the one thing? And I would tell you, it all ties back to listening. Why are you, as a salesperson, so afraid to ask a question? Because you have to listen. And you have to actively listen. I do a lot of in-person teaching on seminars and workshops, and I do a little exercise, a listening exercise, to test the level of, are you really listening? It's pretty sad. We do not listen. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know how to listen. So one of the things we teach in our sales training, one of the early workshops is active listening. How do you prove that you're actively listening? There are ways to prove that. We touch that in our workshops. Embrace pauses and silence. Dramatic, huh? (laughs) Concentrate. It's difficult not to be thinking about what you're going to say next while another person is talking. That's if you don't have your questions mentally prepared, a scheme, a format, a framework of questions. That's what we teach in our four quadrants so that you know what quadrant are you in will tell you what questions to ask, okay? Actively, actively listen. I think if active listening, if we were all active listeners, we would all ask better questions. We wouldn't be afraid of them because we know we can handle any answer that we're given. When you yeah. actively listen, you are prepared. to. If you know how to actively listen, you can handle any answer. So it, the interesting thing is after I spent decades not wanting to ask questions in class, I actually, my first profession was asking questions as a journalist, right? But what I used to do is, and I don't know how your, we'll see your quadrants maybe in another episode. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So what I used to do is I would do a little research on the subject, whether it was a person or event, whatever the thing might be. And then I would only prepare like maybe three or four really good questions because what I started finding out as I became a more seasoned journalist is that most times what the person the person's response would trigger a better question than something I might have written down beforehand. So 
And this, so this kind of reinforces what you're talking about listening, because I found that the more and the, the more I was unprepared in a sense that I didn't have 12 questions written down, if I went in with three, four really good questions and I let the other person respond and listen to those, I, and play off of those responses, I ended up with much better material than if I just rattled off those 12 questions that you might write down. Well, you just taught one module in our sales training. (laughs) (laughs) We teach, we call it the chain of questions. Yeah. And you can only have a chain of questions if you're listening. If you're not listening, you can't do it because you'll go back to your sheet and the next question has nothing to do with the last answer which makes you seem like a total fool. So we teach this thing as as an entree into a chain of questions, which, as you just so correctly said, gives you better information. Before we close up, is there anything we missed on this? Is there anything, any more you want to reinforce? I think we just got to overcome that chemical thing that we all have, that human chemical thing, to speak. Also, social styles has it. We talked about this in another segment, the languages of the customers. The driver and expressive type social styles live to talk. They live to make declarative statements. The amiable and the analytical live to ask. So myself as an expressive driver, I had to learn how to ask questions. It is not natural to me. It is against my two main styles. It was a struggle. It still is a struggle. And I understand for those of you who have that same struggle, I get it. But guess what? (laughs) We've got to turn that around. If you're going to be a success in sales, more questions, fewer statements. Yep. Stop controlling conversation. And listen, 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 listen. Absolutely. After you get done listening, after you get done listening, listen some more. Sounds great, Dennis. Thanks for your insight. As always, a lot to learn. That wraps up another issue of Connect and Convert, where we give you some insider information on successful sales strategies for small business owners. I'm Dave Salter with Dennis Collins, and we shall see you next time.